Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I speak with Dan Lust, the co-founder and partner of Pints LLC. Pints is a beverage advisory firm that partners with suppliers and distributors across the country to provide objective support, guidance, and best practices related to the beverage alcohol industry. In our podcast, Dan and I cover a wide variety of subjects. We talk about key metrics and performance measurements for beer wholesalers and for breweries alike. We dig into the calculations for out-of-stocks, out-of-code, close-to-code, profit per skew, margin percentages, and a whole lot more. So if you like numbers, you're going to love that part of the discussion. We also talk about the current state of the industry, how wholesalers and breweries are managing these days, and Dan shares his tips and best practices from what he's learned during this time. For now, please enjoy my conversation with Dan Lust from Pints LLC. Hey, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Carrie, Thanks for having me. It is great to have you here. So Pints LLC, why don't you tell me and our listeners about the services you guys provide, the customers, um, you're a beverage advisory firm. So maybe just kind of describe what the services are that, that you guys provide. So the the object and uh, the purpose of what uh, Kimberly and I did with or doing with Pints is really trying to be a, an, an objective and independent voice in the beverage alcohol industry. Um, having come from the distribution tier, we know that side very well, um, but really trying to work with breweries on, you know, improving the relationships with the distributor, helping them talk distributor language um, and sort of bridging gaps between both both of those tiers so they can work better together. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to think about from the brewery side if you want to expand into a, a new market, uh, what to look for. Um, you know, in addition, you know, on the distributor side, really making sure that the portfolio is right sized and, you know, using a lot of data metrics to analyze the business. Nice. You said talking, helping a brewery kind of talk the distributor language. Could you, do you have any examples of what that might look like? What's, what's the language that you tend to see that maybe breweries don't quite understand when it comes to, to talking that middle tier language? Well, the, the biggest takeaway I try to, get across is that the distributor is actually their number one customer. Um, so many times, you know, breweries, if they're not well established, um, you know, they just think that they need to sign up all these distributors, you know, fill up a truck full of beer and send it off to the warehouse. And all of a sudden magic is supposed to happen and it's supposed to get distributed and sold everywhere. And that's not necessarily really how it works in real life. <laughs> you know, when you get chain accounts, you've got on and off premise accounts, you've got venues. Um, you know, if a distributor doesn't understand the value add of what a brewer is bringing to them, they're really kind of not going to focus on it. You know, their sales reps are going to focus on what their incentive is or, you know, what the, the leadership wants from a, a, a business standpoint. 
And it's not that they don't want to help the breweries and they don't want to sell the product, but if you don't have the right branding, if you don't have point of sale materials, if you don't actually have a business plan or a game plan for what you know you want in the market, the distributor doesn't necessarily know what, or what the expectations are. And so, um, you know, it's really getting them to understand that hey, the distributor is your number one customer. Treat them like that, but find what common ground goals are. Um, a lot of times what a brewery wants and what a distributor is trying to manage from a business standpoint, um, it, it's, it's not aligned. Um, you know, a distributor is trying to manage expenses. They're trying to get rid of out of code. Um, you know, they don't want full product loss coming back. And, you know, sometimes if you've got widespread distribution and the, the turnover is not there, maybe it's not in the right place where a brewery just wants their beer everywhere. Um, and so it's really trying to find those common goals of me as a brewer, this is what I'm bringing to you, Mr. Distributor. This is the value add that I'm bringing to your business. Here's how I'm going to help you achieve these goals and working on them together and not just, you know, the distributor's bad because they, you know, they're not growing my sales. What's uh, maybe one or two, what are like the top things that you've seen that a brewery has done or could do uh to kind of make the most of that relationship? Because you, you talked to branding and point of sale and a business plan and so forth. Are there any things that stick out, like one or two things that are like, these are really got to really do these particular things? Um, I think having a good calendar of, you know, what you're doing from a brewery standpoint, whether it's, you know, it's seasonal brands and when they're going to come into the warehouse or, um, you know, I think, you know, the one and done is slowing down quite a bit because, you know, the situation we're in now. But um, you know, really making sure that there's a game plan. If you're going to brew a special batch of beer, come out with a, a unique package, you know, what's in it for the distributor? Are their margins going to be better? Are you going out into the trade and getting, you know, distribution in the chains that all they need to do is execute? Um, you know, you can't just keep packaging all this beer and sending it off without an actual end, end plan for what that, that's going to do. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. So let's shift and talk, I think more generally, kind of zoom back 30,000 feet, talk about the current state of the beer industry. I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, what you're hearing from wholesalers and breweries as to how they're doing these days. And if you have any tips or best practices that you've heard of uh, that could be shared with others. Um, I'll kind of have a couple notes, but, you know, I think overall the, the, the more established breweries, the ones that already had packaging lines or canning lines, you know, they were able to pivot pretty quickly and put that liquid into consumable, you know, cans or packages that could be sold in the off premise. Um, you know, the ones that maybe didn't have that already in place before the pandemic hit, I think were suffering a little bit more. Um, obviously, if their revenues were down because they had to shut down on, you know, taproom sales or if their restaurant got closed, you know, Revenue wise, it, it, they took a huge hit, but breweries that I know that have been able to pivot to the package side are doing fantastic and they're doing very well. Um, on the distributor side, you know, they had their challenges as well. You know, when this all went down, trying to pick up cooperage and dealing with all this overstock of draft beer in the warehouse. Um, sales wise, they absolutely crushed it in the off premise. But the other thing that I don't think really got looked at closely at, at the onset was with the big rush of all these, you know, deliveries and, and 
uh, deliveries at, at, in the off-premise accounts, you know, now they're making multiple deliveries per store per week, which they probably weren't doing before. They're sending merchandisers in there a lot more than they did before. And so those, you know, ancillary costs, you know, all be it gross profit probably looked really good. Discounting was down and they're selling a ton of volume, but, you know, internal costs from labor, I think really, really took a huge hit. Um, in addition to the the shift in the warehouse, you know, it's a lot easier to grab a forklift and, you know, put eight kegs on the back of a truck. Well, if that's going away, now your guys are spending a lot of time building package loads on pallets. And, you know, that obviously creates concern for, you know, breakage for mispicks and, and things like that. So there's a, a lot of internal costs, I think, that distributors had to absorb, um, you know, in order to, to focus and, and deal with the customers that were still open. Mm. Oh, absolutely. It changes the whole business model you know, mm-hmm. for, for all all tiers, really. Um, so I wanted to dig into a couple of the services that you guys provide. But uh, before I do that, I, I, I just wanted to ask, like, um, of the of the services you guys provide, what are generally the most requested? Like what types of things are clients asking for? maybe post-pandemic and then maybe pre-pandemic? Is there a kind of 80-20 rule in terms of what what your clients need from you guys? Not necessarily. Um, You know, we're now starting to field a lot of phone calls because breweries are now ready um, to expand. Um, And they want to get into new markets. They want to go into a new state. And, you know, really not having a full understanding of, you know, the the distributor landscape, it may be in that market. Um, Also just negotiating contracts. We've, you know, run into a number of breweries that, you know, maybe it's a new director of sales or whatnot, and he's dealing with a bad distributor relationship that he has, you know, how do you improve that? Or how do you get out of that? Because, you know, now you want to focus on and go into a new market. But what does that distributor contract look like? And so we really sort of try to help coach, you know, thinking big picture, if you go with distributor A, but they only do so many counties or their footprint is limited, you know, what other distributors in those surrounding markets are a good fit? Um, what if this distributor sells in two years? And, you know, do you want to go into the house that they're probably going to sell to? And, and thinking about those long-term pictures, um, you know, is really important because we've dealt with a lot of lawsuits um, dealing with franchise uh, arguments. And so we are trying to hedge that and get in front of that to help avoid, you know, arbitration and, and, and legal disputes. Mm, that's a good thing. Yeah, I often often joke that the agreement of the contract is really like more of a disagreement, right? You only, you kind of only look at it when there's a disagreement. Yeah. So just to make sure those things are uh, taken into account. Do you, do you guys have uh, a checklist or questions or key considerations like when you're trying to match up a brewery with a distributor and, and do that um, distributor landscape evaluation? How, is there anything that comes to mind? Um, in that regard, or is it kind of more, you know, case by case? It's it's a lot of case by case, but it's also, you know, in the due diligence phase with all, all of our clients, really trying to understand what their short and long-term objectives are. I mean, if you just want to go into a market and be the hot new brand and just be on premise on draft and all the rotator accounts, that's that's one game plan. But if you have aspirations of getting into chain grocery, into C-stores, 
um, you know, there's another, that's another focus. And depending on how established they are in their home market, um, oftentimes breweries want to, you know, go three, four states away, but they don't have, they're not even fully distributed in, in their own market. Um, you know, and so it's kind of like, why don't you really focus and, and entrench where you're at? Maybe, you know, go to a neighboring state, but, you know, just because somebody on Facebook in Florida, you know, likes your beer doesn't necessarily mean you should open up Florida as a marketplace. So. Yep. I've heard that one before. Let's dig in on performance measurements and metrics. I know that's one of the items, the services you guys provide. So maybe starting with wholesalers, performance metrics. I heard this question the other day and I'll kind of roll this out there and then you could see where it goes is um, so working with a wholesaler client and he asked about benchmarks and essentially the way he phrased the question was he goes I want to know what right looks like so if someone to pose that question to you relative to their operations their finances the, their wholesaler metrics how would you answer that and relatedly what are the key numbers that that you think are particularly important especially today well, um, you know, some, some one of the key metrics today is just service level or delivery percentage, because with all the out of stocks, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, what a sales rep orders when he's doing inventory and in account versus what actually gets on the truck to that account the next day. There's some big gaps and really understanding what the cost of that gap is. Um, you know, some of it, maybe they can't do anything because their big suppliers just don't have the inventory, but, you know, really understanding what the cost is for those out of stocks. Um, you know, on the flip side, it's the out of code and close to code, you know, full product loss is still probably one of the biggest expenses a distributor deals with that can probably be better managed, um, you know, just by right sizing inventory in the warehouse, making sure that distribution, you know, makes sense, taking, you know, account to what the, the term rate is for certain packages. Um, you know, but and you know, then you got this. You know, the the normal your you know your gross margin, your margin percent, you you know your profit per per item. Um, you know, we're starting to see those you know increase again with all the the high end you know brands, the the White Claws and the Trulies of the world that are really you know padding you know some gross profit numbers. But you know, a lot of distributors they've got all their data sort of pieced, you know, you might have a route accounting system and you might have an HR system. And you might have a warehouse management system. And without all of those things being tied in, you know, it's, I think it's important for a distributor to really look at, you know, inventory and, you know, what you're going <clears> to <throat> be probably close to, you know, fire selling and getting ahead of that curve. You know, what, what's your volume and, and, revenue per employee you know people don't necessarily look at those numbers um you know and you know the the, the other basics of you know what's your average you know revenue and profit per delivery um and really getting into and making sure that um you know i think with all these out of stock problems i'm also you know seeing and hearing you know a lot of issues that you know now the product, you know, it's out of stock when the delivery happens on a Tuesday. Well, the product now gets to the warehouse on a Wednesday and they're hot shotting it back to the account on Thursday. Um, you know, so that's really going to drive down your profit per stop because you're now making special deliveries with, you know, very low volume, but you don't want the out of stock at the retail um, level either. So it's a delicate balance, right? Mm -hmm. Those hot shots can really 
brutalize your your profitability for sure. So you you had mentioned something that is interesting to me. So if you've got all these different pieces of software, you got the route accounting, as you mentioned, the HR warehouse management system. Have you come across anything, any tool that can kind of bring that information together? So you, you've also, in some respects, you'd have your 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 general ledger and accounting, your finance package as a. You're right. This data lives in all these different places. Have you found anything that can bring it together? Um, there are a couple solutions out there that you know are pretty robust, um, but it, it, it's um, you know from what I'm what I'm seeing and, and hearing is the distributors themselves don't necessarily talk to each other within these these different silos, um, and so it's even almost just distributor education of like, hey, you've got all these data points here, let's bring them together and really sort of analyze the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's some very sophisticated operations out there, but we also still come across distributors that don't even have websites. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'm an analytics guy. I, I like numbers and I think numbers can really tell a story, you know, one way or another. Um, but, you know, some distributors, you know, they don't have maybe they don't have a business analyst or a, a techie, you know, person on their team that's really diving into these numbers. They're just... You know, everyone's so everyone's so ingrained with just getting reports. Just give me a report, but a report doesn't tell you anything. Um, and so I, I really like being able to do root cause analysis and find out, you know, the, the what, when, where, how, why. Mm. That's awesome. So I'll just I'll recap a couple of the metrics you mentioned, and then I want to ask you the same question about breweries in terms of what you what you believe are the key metrics, and then maybe what you've heard from other brewery clients, but. You know, certainly the, the big three that you mentioned, out of stock, out of code, and close to code, those things just they seem to never change, right? And, you know, with SKUs growing or contracting, I mean, the issue doesn't necessarily go away. So you're right, you got to focus on right sizing and portfolio management, profit per stop, profit per SKU, margin percentage, um, all good stuff. That's great. So in, in terms of breweries, what do you what do you see for key metrics there? Oh, key metrics for breweries. I, 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 let me think about that for a quick second. Um, I, I know I think points of distribution is still is still important, but you know what's the rate of sale? I think that's uh, another key one. Um, also, you know, making sure that they've got, um, you know, the right package mix, the right brand mix, I guess, if you will, style wise. Um, you know, are you just super IPA focused? Are you just really dark beer focused? Or do you have, you know, brands that can, you know, go from one spectrum to another to reach, you know, more consumers? Do you have the right, you know, and it's maybe not a metric, but, you know, is your branding right? What does your package look like on the shelf? And, um, you know, if it, if it's, you know, faced one way or the other, is that message still coming across to the consumers? Does it still look attractive? Um, and, and just how you're managing, you know, expectations for the distributor and, you know, what, what is your, you know, having a, just a good solid business plan. Mm. I want to circle back and have you define, uh, some of these just for if folks are not familiar. So let's start with rate of sale. How would you, how, how would a brewery maybe tell us about that and how that calculation might work? Um, well, I look at rate of sales, you know, how many, I guess, how many cases are being sold per point of distribution? Um, I mean, if you've got 
one account that's, you know, maybe selling five or 10 cases a week versus 10 accounts selling one case a week. Um, you know, making sure that that, you know, in the, in the retail trade, you've got, you know, a bunch of those accounts selling 10 cases a week because that's where the volume is, um, you know, versus shotgun approach where you've got 10 accounts only turning one case a week. Okay. And then points of distribution. How do you, how do you explain that to a, maybe a brewery's like, what does that even mean? How would you? Uh, a point of distribution is just a SKU that's sold into, a, you know, a retail account. So if you've got, you know, I'll use a, a bigger brewery, for example, but you might have, um, you know, a six pack, a 12 pack and a 24 pack of, you know, a brand. And, you know, how many, if you've got all three of those in an account, you've got three points of distribution. Um, you know, same with, you know, multiple brands. So I look at any, any SKU sold into a retail account would be a, a unique point of distribution. Okay. And then you mentioned uh, getting the right package and brand mix. This one to me feels more, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say this and you can, you can tell me your perspective on it. Is that more subjective? Like certainly there are breweries that are like, we only do IPAs or we only do lagers, right? Um, when you think about, or you advise clients on what the right package and brand mix, what do you suggest that they think about? What's important there? Um, well, from a package perspective, I think it, it ultimately boils down to what price point you're looking for on the retail shelf. Um, you know, you can have a, a great beer and, you know, everyone wants a six pack or 12 pack, but if it's going to be priced too high at retail, you know, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. So maybe you just go back to a four pack. Um, you know, thinking about two, you want to get it in the convenience channel. Well, convenience channel isn't really based on 12 ounces. It's based on 16 or 19 or even 24. So, you know, depending on the, the channel mix you want to get into, um, you know, really it's going to help determine how you package and, and configure your, your offerings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about exit strategy support. I know that's one of the the services that you provide. Maybe just define what what that is, and then how you advise uh, clients to think about it. Um, yeah, no one really has a good exit strategy plan. It's always sort of you know happenstance or last minute. But really thinking about you know if you're depending on again how the the equity or the you know the investors are built within a, a specific brewery, you know, having a predefined exit strategy of, you know, if you are going to depart or, or move on, you know, what's the payout going to look like, um, you know, from a, another standpoint of, are you going to hand this business down to, you know, your kids? Um, is there going to be a lineage there? If not, you know, when you decide to get out of the business, you know, are you hiring the right staff and building up a culture within your organization that they're going to be the next, CEO or, you know, vice president of sales and, you know, really starting from the ground up instead of, you know, always trying to go out and, and recruit somebody, um, but really building that culture from the ground up so that, you know, if you want to depart someday, you know, and you trust that you've got the leadership within the organization that's going to take over, you know, in the next phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to think about that, right? Cause it's like planning for the you know, fixing the roof while the sun is shining and planning for tougher times. But meanwhile, we're just trying to run our business. So we may not be thinking about, you know, down the road in terms of what that might look like. Well, it's the same thing. And, you know, in real life, you have to, you know, making sure that you've got your living will done or you've got your, 
you know, you know, I don't know, a, a burial plot picked out, you know, just, but having, you know, those tough conversations up front so that things, you know, if they do go sideways, there's already a, a plan uh, on moving forward. And do you find that, I'm guessing I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask you, do, do you find that when people come to you and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of, of exiting, of selling, um, how much consideration have they given to the details and maybe asked in a different way, um, what are the things that you see they have to go back and kind of fix before they can make ready for sales? Anything come to mind typically that you're like, Ooh, you got to get you know your house in order here or there. Are there any particular issues that are more common than others that need to be fixed or, um, no, I mean, I just having good sound financials, um, you know, and really making sure that, you know, you've got, you know, those back of the house things cleaned up. Um, but also too, there's not always a buyer for everybody. Um, you know, I know everybody wants to get sold and they want to make a million dollars and they want to ride off into the sunset. Um, but sometimes there just isn't a buyer. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe it's better to do some ESOP and give it back to the employees. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people spend, you know, their entire career building up a business and then they want to sell it. And, you know, if, if they haven't done some of those things, right, maybe they've let their branding, you know, go down out in the trade. Maybe they have done some things on social media that now they have a really bad reputation or, you know, maybe they're, their packaging isn't fresh, you know, and no one wants to buy a, you know, a dwindling, a dwindling brand. Everyone wants to buy something that's up and coming and, you know, has a lot of promise and a lot of, you know, future uh, blue sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So relatedly, I was listening to a podcast that your partner Kim had with Brewbound. I believe they were talking about the middle, the shrinking middle tier. I think that was, um, the subject was something like that, you know, where there's roughly two wholesaler acquisitions a month, um, kind of on average. So I was just curious, like what, what's your take on what's going on right now in terms of that type of activity and kind of what does that mean for, for current beer wholesalers that are out there? Is it a, is it a good market? Is it has, how has the pandemic, I guess, changed the M&A activity, the mergers and acquisitions? Well, I still think it's happening. Um, you know, what we're seeing a lot, you know, the distributors, you know, a lot of the principals are, are getting older, um, you know, and they're getting close to retirement. And if they don't have, you know, kids to, to hand the business down to, um, and they don't have a succession plan, if you will, they just kind of want to just sell and get, and get out of the business. Um, and I think that's going to continue to happen, especially with all the small operations in out in, in rural markets. Um, you know, you think of some of these big states like Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. I mean, they're so spread out. Um, if there's, you know, again, if there's no succession plan, I think more and more are going to continue to sell, um, and and the big guys are just going to continue to get get bigger. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I have one. Uh final question for you. It's kind of a, it's very broad and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you and then you can answer it any way you see fit. And this is kind of the crystal ball question. So my question for you is where do you see the beer industry headed over the next 12 to 24 months in, in terms of 
what's going to happen with on-premise, what kind of shakeout or closure rate do you think we might see from craft breweries, um, or you can throw in any other thoughts you may have on, you know, kind of where are we headed? Yeah, I'm not sure there's going to be a huge shakeout with breweries closing. I think the ones that have that survived last year um, and were able to pivot and, you know, make the right adjustments. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, you know, as we get out of winter time and hopefully, you know, the weather warms up in other areas of the country, you know, dining will continue to open up on premise. Um, I can, you know, know here, you know, in, in the area where I live, you know, people have, have invested in, in expanding patios and, you know, actually building out more space in their restaurants. So, um, I see that continuing to to improve. Um, I'll be curious to see really how it shakes out with, you know, trying to chase these numbers in these big grocery accounts. But, you know, I'm already seeing convenience store business is, is starting to gain. And a lot of that is people going back to work or, you know, they're not afraid to go out of the house anymore and they want to stop and get, you know, beverages for convenience. Um, so that's, you know, I'm seeing that to start to increase. And, you know, I, I think the big sign is when, when sports start opening up and allowing fans and, you know, venues and all of a sudden concerts are going to start happening again. So, um, you know, that's the exciting piece is if we've all survived what we just went through last year, um, you know, things will start opening up. They will start, you know, being a little more accessible. Um, I do think maybe, you know, one lesson that was learned with, you know, a lot of those rotation nation accounts that, you know, just one keg and done, um, you know, the accounts that I've been in, they used to have 20 or 30 tap panels were opening up with five or 10, um, you know, flagship brands, things that are calls, um, you know, so I think that'll continue to increase as well. Interesting. Excellent. Well, a lot of good information here, Dan. I really appreciate your time um, and your insights. So if people want to learn more about you or your firm, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way is just go onto our website, www.pintsllc.com, um, P-I-N-T-S-L-L-C. Um, all of our information is on there. Um, got some testimonials from some former clients as well as our contact information. So we'd be happy to help. Excellent. We'll make sure all that information is in the show notes so people could check it out. Dan, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.